Welcome back to the Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. Hope you're well. This is the Sunday Show, but it's late. It's late. Titled "What I Meant to Say." What I meant to say. Um, that's the answer you hear from a young child or a young person who has done something wrong. They're with their friends, or they're in a room and they say something they should. And they, oh, what I meant to say was, you know, it sounds familiar. You may have heard. Uh, some of the similar things in, in your workplace or on the side of a football pitch or in the stands when someone's shouting abuse at a player and they say, what I meant to say, or oh, not you, you know, not you, not you, mate, it's just him over there. Yeah, you know what I mean. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the relaxed comments by the departing Greg Clark, right? Okay, that's what we're talking about. I'm, it took me a while to get there. Um, what I meant to say was, Greg Clark, um, as he looked around the room, and the room looked like every other room that he's been in, you know, where he's been able to speak freely, mention those words, and no one say anything. It is no surprise that he said the words that he said. It was no surprise that his position was, I'm sorry, but I didn't really mean to say those words because, you know, some of the people I work with are comfortable with those words, and I just thought I was in familiar surroundings because of the colour of the wallpaper and the chair and the soft soft furnishings. These are the individuals that are in charge, were, should I say, in charge of the football world that we love. They hold a particular philosophy. They hold a particular point of view. One which is, you know, well ingrained in, in a particular point of view. When you're talking about people of colour, said it. Uh, when talking about different races, different backgrounds, you know, black people, Asian people, you know, gay people, doesn't matter. They have that particular point of view, that particular philosophy. And uh, normally what would happen with Greg Clark and his ilk, because he's not alone, let's be quite clear that he's had conversations where he's used those words freely and no one has pulled him up on it because they're in a, as they are in cahoots, they simply nod and move on to the next item on the agenda. So it was no surprise to hear him say those words. And it's sad. And I'm recording this on the very day, on the very day where the BBC have a small acts program talking about the, the issues that the black community faced uh, in the 1960s and 70s. So it is no surprise that individuals uh, of Greg Clark's ilk and age were from that time. You know, so it's not just about football, it was a way of life, it was a way of communicating, it was a way of referring to a, a an individual, a body of people, a community, it was just a way. So this weekend, um, you know, in terms of working backwards, uh, Sky Sports had a little video, and it was on Twitter, uh, um, Shin from Fans for Diversity, Shin, how are you, hope you're well, uh, who also works for West Bromwich Albion Foundation, he talked in the video, I believe he was interviewed and explained why he wasn't surprised about um, the stereotypical references um, that Clark made with regards to Asians in sport and or not in sport. And it is something that he has lived and it's not alone. He's not alone in that because there are other individuals. There is, and I'll mention it later, a, 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 an Asian footballer who's at Swansea and he's had the same thing where you have those barriers, those those verbal arrows that you have to dodge and, and manoeuvre around in your day-to-day -day life or you're trying to do the one thing that you love where so many people who say that they don't understand what people are upset about never really have to contend with or consider.
So that's that's where we are. Um, so you know, the question in itself is, and, and this is a really a really serious thing. This is why the next question, you know, you know, where are the, the diverse candidates that are going to actually put themselves forward uh, for the post that Greg Clark has has vacated? Um, and you have to understand if Greg Clark has has mentioned these words and he's had to step down because it's been brought to light and he said so in a live stream so he had to be kind of reminded that he said what he said um whoever is interviewing the candidates or sending out the advert the pack the the, the person spec the, the, the you know competencies that whoever needs to step forward will have probably had conversations with greg clark anyway they've been there long enough this isn't new so we're talking about someone that's going to try and go to for a job that has been earmarked in a sense by someone who's been a long-standing individual within the post and how quickly can the powers that be within the fa turn around and say you know what the job description that we have we have to ensure that it actually attracts the right candidate who is able to speak up and out for individuals beyond their normal surroundings beyond their normal life experiences who can we get to do that well it isn't just about for me it isn't just about the recruitment of the individual going in it's about the the processes that actually recruit the individual the individuals who who sit down at great lengths to put forward the documents as to what they want to bring forward or who they want to bring forward you know it goes much deeper when they talk about structural it is a structural and this is the world of sport and I, I, I listen quite clearly to that conversation and I'm bobbing and weaving because I heard another conversation the other day on the radio when I talked about, you know, with regards to what's happening in the football pitch in terms of teams and how, you know, they need to, to have less games and, and, the, and the actual uh, fixtures and all of those things. And you might think, where are you going with this, Rodney? But I'll, I'll be quite clear. The individual on the podcast said this, so many former footballers are sitting in studios talking as if they're pundits, but they don't want to get their hands dirty in the nitty gritty of the politics of football or, or football governance. I think of Les, Les Ferdinand, who's doing an absolutely fantastic job at Queen's Park Rangers, not sitting in the studio, not talking about the offside trap or VAR, getting his hands dirty, mentoring, bringing people through, talking about the structures of the club within the community that he served as a player. How many footballers are doing that? How many footballers are actually involved in the structures of the football organisation, the governing bodies, those that sit and, and, and actually decide what's happening? So there are no more Greg Clarks. They're actually football players that have played in diverse teams. So they understand the views of individuals that they've played with, worked alongside, fought alongside, won alongside. Where are they? So it's it's left to individuals who have never played the game to put themselves forward. Individuals who probably see the game in a particular way and don't want it to be seen that way anymore, and they and they feel that they are not hindered by baggage. They're not. There are no. There's no leverage in terms of what they they can and cannot say to used against them. And all of these things have to be put into the pot that is. The FA, the FA, as I, you know, as a lot of people will say, sweet FA. And I always ask the question to my friends who have got local kid, um, kids playing football, Sunday, Sunday league, Saturday league. 
have you ever received help from the FA? And they just look at me. Like this like this blank look. So it is no surprise um, that Greg Clark said what he said. I'm not surprised. Um, and he said it in a way that, you know, he thought it was okay. I'm not surprised. He used language that he's used to. He's used language that he's been using for years. We can assume that he's used those phrases freely with other colleagues in a room with same, the same poor lighting and carried on as normal. But just that this was a live screening meeting or live streamed on the issues around sport, you know, like <laughs> diversity and inclusion, uh, Greg Clark um, used words that he, he felt comfortable with. Now about following this, obviously he's, he's, he's seen the errors of his way and he's apologised and on the BBC website, you know, he's, he said that the language that he used, and this is the quote, is unacceptable language. I'm like, fine. But this is on the tail end of the, of the FA actually putting forward, you know, policy stroke initiative where they have like said, we're going to kind of openly discriminate against individuals with disabilities. And, and they put it in and said it's a, a starting point. Well, you know, you don't put in something that will hinder your progress from the beginning. That doesn't make any sense. Any. You then have before that the whole issue with the boys and the girls the girls not playing football, the boys can play football, and then they put forward, like, seriously, what is this? I mean, I, at the moment, for my leisure, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. I didn't realise it was happening now. You know, sugar. I didn't realise, you know, in the world of sport, this is what was going on. And that is an extreme programme. I'm actually wincing while watching it, but in the world of sport, you don't expect it. You don't expect it when they say that football, sport, is used as a vehicle of change. It breaks down barriers. My gosh, it's not doing any of that. Not at the moment. So it is very much left to the individuals outside of sport to push those conversations into areas where the individuals in sport, the players, former players, pundits are unable to go. They're unwilling to go because they don't feel comfortable enough. And they may, and they actually may just lose a few followers on their social media account. That's what it is. It was an expectation that you, you don't have too much expectation on those that are in a particular position because you will be, for a better word, let down. And the reality is that they're not able to because they may be constrained by individuals or powers that we just have no idea about. And that's football. And people say that politics and sports should never mix, but by Jove, they're definitely mixing now. Or they have been for a long, long time. Uh, now, there were a few moments between his comments, right? There were a few moments between Greg Clark's comments and, and the he had to be requested to retract his comment, right? It had to be requested. That means that he was so he was so used to saying what he said that he did. He just kind of went out, just kind of like, you know, I'm talking with the boys and barbershop talk. You know, when you, you change your language, you, you drop a, a noun here, you just uh, carry on. That's what he did. The damage was done. You know, it's kind of that, Scene in a film, you know, The Wizard of Oz, when they pull the curtains back and they reveal who's behind the curtain, they go, oh, it's him. Oh, gosh, we didn't know. It's him. And that is part of the problem. In fact, no, that is the problem. That you have an organisation which is meant to drive forward change and individuals at its helm are still chewing over words that no one uses, no one wants to be linked with, and they, they, they are using those words but they're meant to be driving forward change. 
You know, and it, when you look at it, diversity is such a tricky thing. When we talk about diversity, what it means, the acceptance that I am different from you and I accept you for being different from me and I accept that you are different from me and I will talk to you and include you in my conversation. But there is always that thing with diversity. When someone says you're different from me, I'm going to exclude you. And I'm going to put you in a bracket and use words that just, you know, keep you where you are. You just don't have what it means. You just don't have what it takes to be part of this because you're different. So much of the language which is used to pin people back to in a position so that they cannot move forward and address the very issues they need to address. So much is used in terms of language. It's very, very nuanced. You know, difficult to pick apart. But language such as that, and some, someone on Twitter, you know, I know who the person is, I don't want to mention his name, talked about, you know, there's a person, people of colour, that, that term was used by the majority of people who wanted to control people and use it in a, a denigrating way, to denigrate. If I choose who I say I am, it's down to me, my identity. I will tell you who I am. It's like asking me my name. You know, I'll tell you my name. The issue for me with his language and what it displays, what it revealed, um, the, if the FA who are responsible for the England team and everyone under the FA, every club, every player, that there are black footballers. They're not coloured footballers. We have seen black footballers on television, on posters, on the cover of gaming platforms. Seen in, we've even seen them in an English show. Black footballers. And on top of that, there is now this discussion that we have to have, and it's been a long time coming, the lack of Asian footballers. They're not coloured. They're not coloured. They're Asian footballers. No one ever talks about coloured England footballers. Whenever anyone who isn't black talks about a, a football player that isn't white, they say black England football player. They never say coloured ever. So where he got that language from, it's probably from some old Monopoly set that he pulled out of a card and he's been using ever since. So I am not surprised and no one else should be. So it is upsetting, but at the same time, you just think it's not surprising. Not surprising. And this is the, and this is the strangest thing. I want to be able to talk about sport and talk about the fixtures and talk about, you know, the way people play and the formats and the formation and all of those things. But sometimes there are bigger things in sport. There are, there are sometimes bigger things than three points and goals. Go sometimes they're just things. Those things just are bigger. They just are. They just are. And when you have individuals that are running an organisation which is meant to be looking after everyone, it seems that they are so out of touch with the modern game, so out of touch. There's just no learning. There's no, there's no, you know, when someone says to you, what's your CPD? Your continual professional development. There's none. You just thought, well, I don't need to read. I'm okay. I've got this job. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. None. His language gives way to assessing that he's never had a conversation with a black person. Period. Never. Because if he did, and he used those words, he would have been pulled up about it straight away, in no uncertain terms.
No. I know who I am. I'm a black man. There's nothing coloured here. There's no colouring. There's no colouring happening here unless you're in a school with crayons. None. So that's it. That's the thing that has kind of bugged me the most this week. Apart from all of the things that's happened, you know, the lack of club football, obviously, there's international football that's great if you into that all the time. But when you have the FA, top, top individual, talking to members of parliament about issues within the game, issues of governance, issues where, you know, you're expecting to see some kind of progress, where there's a conversation about, you know, the top clubs, the top league looking out for the little clubs and, and, and considering fans, what will happen when the game, you know, comes back in terms of fans returning to the state. All of those things you're expecting to hear in terms of conversation. That was the standout thing that was taken. And I get it. Sometimes you can make a mistake, but you, your mistake only comes around when you are not in tune with your client base, the people you are meant to serve. It's not so much that his comments did a disservice to the game, it's, it laid bare everything that there is. We say glaringly wrong with the FA, but just, you know, removing one individual or asking an individual to step down doesn't change a philosophy. We've seen that. And if anyone watched the BBC, um, was going to watch the BBC um, drama of small acts, you know, in terms of life in Britain for individuals from the, the Caribbean, then you'll know that there was a philosophy. Philosophy. A philosophy where there are structural walls in place which act as barriers, not just to keep up a structure, they act as barriers and they reinforce the structures that are in place. Um, yeah, you know, what can you say in terms of hope? What can you say? If there is anything that I have seen from 2020 in terms of the world of sport and the governing bodies that some only act when it's too late, some act when their back is against the wall and the curtains have been revealed and then there is a U-turn in terms of what they want to say because they see that everyone is looking in their direction and they're no longer able to move within the shadow of darkness. It's glaringly obvious. 2020 for me in terms of sport has been that there is hope within the individuals who stand within the game or within sport. Marcus Rashford, hope. Lewis Hamilton, hope. I use those two men deliberately. There are many other great sporting individuals out there, but I use those two deliberately. In terms of organisations within sporting bodies, and I'm using Greg Clark as an example, and there was a report in 2020 when they said there was very few diverse voices in the boardroom. Obviously, if they were, those words would not have been allowed to have been said. Those boardrooms appear to have no room for dissenting voices 
or alternative views. Time for change. Time for role models and heroes, whatever shape they look like or whoever they are, however they sound, whatever they sound like. Those boardrooms, those conversations, those decisions need to have a broader outlook, but also a, a wider participation. Sport is really great in terms of bringing people along. We've seen it, people talk about the World Cup, we've banded together, all having a great time. Olympics, everyone's fantastic, whether it's in America and they've got their great sporting achievements, England, talking about the FA Cup, people are talking about the Champions League, we can all do these things, fantastic stuff. You know, hockey, you name it, tennis, you name it. It's all people coming together, it's brilliant. There needs to be a wider a wider pool of voices in the conversation. Point blank. Greg Clark's time may have run its course. May have. Who knows, he might return. We've seen stranger things. But there is a real need for more than just the removal of individuals with outdated views. There needs to be real change. There needs to be real inclusion. There needs to be real discussion. And all of those things need to have a real focus on action and not just words. Don't need another review. We don't need another report. We don't need another PowerPoint presentation. Actual action in terms of governance, in terms of diversity, in terms of inclusion, and in terms of moving forward collectively I miss talking about sport but sometimes even that like I've said it's just you know you some you just have to kind of look above that sometimes and think it's great I can talk about that you know three points and everything else but when you're talking about the governance of sport it can't just be down to the same individuals and what you find is for those of us who have been at home during this 2020 we've had so much time to watch the news We've seen the politicians go from left to right. And sometimes we've looked at them and thought, what the hell are they doing? And what has been the standout thing for me in 2020 is that there are so many individuals that are in top positions that are all educated in the same bracket and they have no idea about the everyday lives of individuals who are involved in the things that they are meant to be governing. None. So it needs to be that there needs to be individuals that come from those sections and sectors within society that actually are interested in their sport, whether it's tennis, rugby, you name it, they need to actually be actively, and don't even just wait for, and I'm saying this, don't wait for former players to do it because they're curtailed. I'm not expecting any former sports star to be the hero for this moment because they, you know, they, they will have their wings clipped. It will take individuals that are standing outside to get involved and say what needs to be said. Anyway, enough of that. Oh, enough of that. This weekend is Women's Football Weekend, right? It's going to be great. We'll say it's going to be great. It's, it's great. 
Um, lots of football available, you know, because of the international break. So, you know, it, they're calling it Women's Football Weekend. Wouldn't it be great, right? Wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic that if it was just, there was a channel dedicated to women's football that wasn't on BT Sport, that wasn't on Sky, you know, say the BBC actually used some of that revenue that they're cooping from the, the pensioners, you know, when you're asking pensioners who are partially blind and 80 and use the radio and use the TV as a radio, why don't you use some of that revenue and put some, some sport on, you know, have a dedicated sport channel for the women. So women fans can actually say, I'm watching the game on this platform and not have to kind of fish around and send out tweets or whatever social media messages to find out where the game is or scroll through YouTube. Mm -hmm. What say you, BBC? Putting the finger at you. You some of that vast revenue that you collect every every now and then. That would be nice. You know, why don't you work with, I don't know, a, an agency that's just about to go through change like the FA. You know, you could do a deal. You know, they're probably looking for a new guy, a new girl to come in into the hot seat. You might find out that you can actually strike a deal and get things done and make things a better place for uh, the wider public who want to engage in sporting activities on television without having to spend too much money. What, what about that? Who knew? Right. Um, that was my little thing about the women's football weekend. I didn't really want to say too much about this, but I'm going to say something. Marcus Rashford and the story in the Daily Mail, right? So he bought, he bought, he bought a house. He bought a few houses. He used his money and he bought some houses. I mean, who knew someone else could be like Robbie Fowler? Who knew? Blows. Pooch. You know, I didn't know footballers could do that. They could actually go and spend their money and not actually go and, you know, blow it on a card school or you know, gambling or whatever it is, poker they used to play in the back of the bus. You know, no idea. You know, he's got an MBE, so we've got to find something on him. There are footballers out there that are spending their money on a number of different things and good to them. They've been awarded and rewarded handsomely for the sport and the career that they have. And everyone says it's short. Well, footballers in itself is strange because it's uh, everyone knows you're going to stop at some point because of age and time in itself. So he's been paid well and he'll spend his money. But I'm not surprised. I, again, I am not surprised that the Daily Mail have written an article about him because they just genuinely write articles about everyone. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. But he is an outstanding individual who has done an amazing, amazing thing in 2020. So even though we hold our heads in despair, you know, cry a little, Talk about the FA and think, gosh, these guys are meant to be in charge. Just remember, there are sporting heroes out there that are doing their level best to make the world a better place, as well as buying a house for their mum. Simply put, you guys, you just need to back up and leave them alone. Just back up, leave them alone. And as for Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> he's the best driver ever, apart from those dudes in the... Um, Fast Furious franchise. But other than that, he's fantastic. Seriously, he's really good. Really, really good. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, it's a little bit late, but for a very good reason. I'm juggling. What do you want? I'm juggling things. Got a day job. Got things to do. Anyway, that's it from me. It's the Sunday show. Late. 
uh, and I'll see you guys uh, very soon. Bye for now. Later. Yes. Thank you.